0: Welcome back to the Oklahoma Drill. It is the week of the Peach Bowl. Clearly the most important uh, societal going on this week. Uh, Can't really think of anything to uh, come close to it. Uh, Alex and Nathan, um, surely I'm not forgetting about anything, right?
1: No, No, I think, I mean, there's the other playoff game, but Uh, I mean, other than... Other than that, there's not not a whole lot going on. It's kind of a boring time of year, to be yeah. honest.
0: there's well, a lot of a good NBA, NBA
1: games on the 25th.
0: Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, it's yeah. The NBA it's, day. Uh, they're trying to kind of they're turning the event into like they're turning the 25th into kind of an event. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I don't quite understand this. Uh, like, what are they? They're like calling it's it just like, a weird arbitrary day. Christmas basketball, and that mm-hmm. just is that just plucked out of thin air (laughs) rolls off the tongue Uh, let's be real this is well what uh, a good what a good conceit um great introduction to the podcast ryan um (laughs) so yeah it's uh it's the week of the peach bowl we're coming off a early signing day um we've got some news about that we've got some news about suspensions and injuries uh, and then we have a dang game that we might actually want to talk about. So, I don't know. What, let's, where are we starting, Alex? Um,
1: let's go ahead and talk about the football game. Because I know on our last podcast, we addressed the suspensions that we had kind of known that were... It was kind of early in that process. Like, we knew that there were suspensions that were going to happen, but we, weren't, we didn't really know who it was. And now we do. Um, so it, we did speculate that Ronnie Perkins and Ramondre Stevenson were on the list of suspended guys and they were obviously huge losses, especially in the Ronnie Perkins case. Um, but also losing a guy like Trajan bridges, not necessarily a big loss for the peach bowl, but given what they have seemingly been suspended for, which is marijuana Um, that carries a six game suspension. So obviously do the math, um, you know, if we lose to LSU, that's five games into next year that they're going to be suspended. And if you look at the schedule, the fifth game of the season next year is the OU Texas game. So that's obviously it becomes a huge, massive loss, um, pretty Mm -hmm. much on all three of those cases. Um, so yeah, not great stuff.
0: Yeah. It is just – and we talked – y'all you, you talked about this a little bit on the last podcast where it's mm-hmm. a combination of like it is so tremendously stupid that this is a six-game suspension, a half-season suspension. Yep. It's an, and it's, it's, it's an also ar- just tremendously stupid that, oh, you let these guys get caught.
2: <laughs> That's also true. Yeah, it's, it's an archaic uh, rule. I mean, it's an archaic um, – just degree, this degree of penalty, um, mm-hmm. but as Alex said before, you got to cheat better. <laughs> I mean, you can't right. let this happen. Um, it's it's a, it's incredibly, it's just amazing. It, it still kind of baffles me that three guys all got busted for this. And it's not like oh, you didn't know these tests happened. This is they've been to three of these in the last four years. Mm-hmm. They know that these NCAA tests come down, um, so. It's just it's incredibly frustrating, um, and especially in the case of Perkins, one of the most obvious ways that OU wins this game if they were to win this game is they have to get a pass rush with probably their base three or four, um, and with Perkins not being available, uh, that's just crushing to you know what you yeah. what you hope could happen in the game. So um, it's just very very disappointing. Um, but it is what it is, you know? So I guess it's the Isaiah Thomas slash Marcus Stripling's show. And, uh, right. We'll just have to move forward.
0: Right. Um, I, uh, and you look at the other guys, um, obviously we're big Ramondre fans on this program. Um, and while, I mean, we, I think we're all sort of in the, like, it'd be nice if he was the feature back at this point. Um, so, I mean, that's, this is not to take away from Kennedy Brooks, um, and this—that's my point—is you know I don't think that hurts us that much. Um, the and then Trajan Bridges, um, you know, how much was he actually going to play, anyways? But yeah, Ronnie Perkins, huge loss, extremely frustrating, um, and yeah. it, it all of a sudden it becomes just that much harder to see. OU uh coming out of this with a W um which is great um especially when it compounds with um the news of another loss on the defensive end Alex do you want to get into that
1: yeah so um once again I think this started on a freaking message board is that right Nathan
2: um yeah I, think I, can't, so. I can't remember the first place it, I saw it it got Spread around pretty quickly, but it seemed to yeah. be confirmed really, really swiftly. Also, it
1: might have been football brainiacs now that I'm thinking back yeah, on it, yeah. but I think that's where it was.
2: Um, but you know, they reported
1: first that Delarian Turner Yell was going to miss the bowl game with an upper body injury. Turns out he broke his collarbone, which, um, not ideal that's because not... I think you know, the times when you think back to the games that our defense has been. Really, really good. Like, Delarian Turner Yell was always a big part of that. Like, that mm-hmm. Baylor game, that dude was flying around the football field and making play yep. after play. Yeah. Texas, the guy was flying all over the field and making plays. Like, he is an important part of this defense. And, you know, not just because he's such a great player, but he is clearly superior to any option we have behind him. Yeah. Um, because hey, man- you know, Alex Grinch all year. Talked about safety depth not being where he wants it to be.
2: Right. And so now here we are. We're looking hey, at Justin Broyles' time. Him and Pat and Fields played probably the most snaps of any two players on the defense. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's, it was the one spot this year that there's just hardly any rotation. Yeah, um, think so. about it this way, real quick.
1: Our coaches were willing to rotate Kenneth Murray out of the game for Brian Mead early in the year. They weren't willing to really rotate Pat <laughs> right. Fields or Delarian Turner yell out. Yeah. At any point this year.
0: Yeah, it's um no, it's a disaster. And I can't think of a position more important against this team against um a team this versatile um and you know uh dangerous on both uh through the air and on the ground than safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, to be down a starter is, uh, is just awful. Yeah. It's, so,
2: I mean, think about it o, against probably the, actually not probably against the best passing team in the country. OU is now down their best pass rusher and their best safety. Right. Not, not great. Not great. It's not
0: looking good. Um, it's not so, before they
2: even snap the ball. So,
0: yeah.
1: And I think we talked about this, Nathan, like, I think a fully healthy Oklahoma, you give them about, what, a 35% chance of beating a team like LSU. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe one win. of the better teams in the country, like or maybe the best team in the country. Um, I, that will obviously be decided. But, you know, a healthy OU, 35% chance. And with these huge losses on defense especially, I mean, I'm down closer to like 5 to 10% chance of winning now personally. <laughs> yeah
2: right yeah I'm, I'm hovering around 10 um i can still see it happening but they'd have to have a ton of breaks go their way lsu would just have to basically be super sloppy
0: right uh, yeah like it would have to be like the only way i like basically lsu would have to be kind of fraudulent which like is yeah. not really possible there, um,
2: there'd have to be like three turnovers and you'd right. have to turn over zero times and then on top of that, oh, you, you would have to like play, you know, way over their heads. So, yeah. I, I just don't see it. Um, I just, re- <laughs> I hate being the, the guy that's just like, I just hope they keep it within ten. But I, I honestly just hope that that's where I'm at. Um, right. Just don't right. Embarrass, yourse- embarrass yourselves. Um, right. And yeah, and it so sucks. You about,
0: know, it, yeah. We, you I mean, know, we've talked about all of this bad luck OU yeah. has had, and it's very and it frustrating like, given yeah. that actually kind of a like a bad break for LSU is developing uh, in yeah. the form of Clyde Edwards Hilaire uh, being questionable for the game, which would be a huge loss for them, obviously. Um, yeah. And it's frustrating that it might not matter to the degree <laughs> that... <laughs> I can't believe this exists. The um, Daily Advertiser, uh, a Lafayette, Louisiana uh, news outlet, uh, posted an opinion piece um, suggesting that LSU should actually sit Edward uh so that he would be well rested and ready for the final. Yep. Yeah. Maybe they should sit Joe Burrow.
2: Maybe <laughs> just rest all the starters. Honestly,
1: think that that is the most hilarious thing ever. Like the, I mean, just the pure overt disrespect it's pretty incredible i've never really seen anything like it to be honest like from a a news source writing an article about it you know like i mean yeah you can hear you hear people talk you know on tv or whatever yeah lsu's probably gonna win but like just too complete it's almost like they don't have a game you know right it's like they have a
2: bye week on the 28th that's how a lot of people seem to be like just just the national perception that's just kind of how the the storyline seems to be going like even like reputable podcasts that I enjoy listening to on a weekend week out basis just kind of gloss over the game it's it's a little surprising it um i mean i think we all agree that OU is the heavy underdog and that LSU will probably win but to act like it's not even like in doubt and I, I know this is kind of funny because we're just coming off of oh i think it's a 10 percent chance for you but at least we expect there to like a game to occur so right it's a it's an interesting conver- it's an interesting just uh national conversation um i mean if OU you were to win this game i know this is something that's been talked about offline but you know it from an OU fan's perspective, it'd probably be the most surprising victory since probably the Sugar Bowl against Alabama. From a national right. perspective, I don't know what it would be as far as for OU as an underdog winning, especially in the playoff. Can you think, is there a, you know, I don't think there is well, a similar would I mean, it would, definitely be,
1: it would definitely be the biggest underdog in the history of the playoff. Yeah. I mean, the biggest upset in the history of the playoff Like, there really hasn't been any big under or upsets in the playoff era.
0: Right now. Um, like the only one I can think of is Ohio state over Alabama.
2: Yeah. That's the, I, probably the yeah. biggest one at this and point. And even that, like that was Ohio state, you know, they had just rocked Wisconsin. And I, I don't remember what the line was for that game, but I doubt it was two touchdowns. So No, uh, no,
1: it probably wasn't
2: much at all. It was probably like three right. or something. So,
1: so I mean, you could look at that as like, yeah, the playoff is due to have an upset. <laughs> it's of, cooking. It's <laughs> Yeah, it's something's cooking. But, um, yeah, I just, it's hard to envision a way that OU wins this game. Like, it would just,
0: I mean, It'd I don't even know.
1: Yeah, like you said, three turnovers. Oh, you like Jalen Hurts would not have to not be an idiot for the entire game. Like like, we haven't seen that in a big game this year. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I don't I just I don't see it and it. It really does suck. And I agree that it does. It's a little disheartening to two years in a row go into the playoff thinking, man, I just don't want to get blown out. Um, But that's really where we are.
2: I mean, we all remember just kind of the, uh, I don't know, the, the so disappointed it's, it was funny, like that 28 nothing turned into, like we were just kind of. Right. <laughs> at a certain point, it, you just don't want that. That's my biggest, greatest fear is I just don't want that to happen again. I mean, I can handle right. a loss. I just don't want it to be like laughing stock levels. So no. I don't want to just like, like tweeting us. So
0: the game yeah. that this feels the most like this feels a lot like the Cotton Bowl in twenty twelve to me. Mm. Um gross. Though yeah. with different team like very different teams in terms mm-hmm. of you though. Oh he's not. I did like, feel like home. we were gonna get our asses kicked that night. I will yeah, us at sure. the same time it's like, oh man. Um like I don't see a reason to be confident about this at all.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um no, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. At least I haven't had to spend a uh an evening at um with the Aggie band. At... Right, yeah. <laughs> Just getting
0: dismantled by them at laser tag. Oh yeah. my god. I can't even I not I have, what... I have to bring it up every time we talk about this. They're yeah. so good at laser tag and it's because they want to fight wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um
1: <sighs> what a time. Okay, what a time, time remember... that was.
2: Yeah. I can't. What, I can't remember what the what that place is called. It's hay something. Um,
0: it was. You know hey not day. what I'm talking about. Heyday. Hey Heyday.
2: Good Lord.
0: It was. No, um, it was main event. Main
2: event. Main event. Main, oh, event. Oh, main yep. event. I'm sorry. Which is the same, the same thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. is hey a anyway. Mormon. Right. Yep. <laughs> um. Okay. So, I mean, let's go ahead. I mean. Do you want to give a score prediction? I mean, it's not the well, most. We, we,
0: we've sort of been vague about talking about like what an OU win looks like. Let's get a little more specific. Okay. Okay. Um, sure. Like, how should OU look to play in this game on offense? Um, mm. To I mean, get themselves in a chan- in a position they, so that should they have to play slow. Joe Burrow I have think. his worst game. They win. They like, they need
2: to. Yeah. I, I mean, I think though. I think. The best case scenario, excuse me, is slow, methodical drives. It's uh, it's it's disheartening even to talk about it. But you know, I think they need to control the clock. They need to run the ball, be methodical, and they have they they can't afford to kick field goals in this game. So yeah, right. I mean, I think the honestly, I think the the way they win the game is they go on ten play drives and score touchdowns every time, and then get turn LSU over and uh pressure burrow don't let them just be comfortable and you know pick you apart i think right. especially especially if edwards lair is hurt and they don't have a uh experienced um dominant running back to turn to um i think that's how you have to play them
1: yeah so in order for us to win this game there will have to be probably Three or four guys on defense that are unlikely candidates that we just think about <laughs> and we're kind of in disbelief yeah. at how well they're playing. Like, yeah. Marcus Stripling is going to have to just be like, oh shit, this guy's going to be a freaking All American at some point.
2: Yeah, he's gonna right. Justin Broyles like,
1: is going to have to play his best game of his career.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Marcus Stripling going to have to have like a sack and like three TFLs or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And Nick Benito is like... going to have to keep playing great.
0: Yeah.
2: Neville Gallimore is right. going to have like, to abuse their center. Like there's going to have to be right.
0: You know, right. Anyway. Jalen Redman is going to have to make every single snap he's on the field memorable. Like, right. Uh, right. That sort of thing.
1: Yeah. And like for us to win, like there's going to have to be a point in the middle of the game where we're just kind of sitting there in disbelief at how well our defense is playing. Like, I honestly right. believe that that's going to have to be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and offensively, I think we have to do something similar to what we did to Oklahoma State, where we just, like you said, sustained drives, run the damn ball down their throat. Kennedy Brooks has 150 yards. Yeah. You know, like it's got to be something along those
2: lines. I don't think we could do that to LSU. No, um, I think they're too big up front. Yeah. They're huge on the defensive line. They're not particularly, uh, you know, they don't get after it. They really only right. have one uh, consistent pass rusher.
1: But, but I guess a more likely
2: to do so I guess
1: a more likely scenario would be that like we're just incredible on third down or something like <laughs> yeah. Jalen's just like twelve for twelve on third down with twelve first downs like he's well, I don't know that's what Texas did to them early in the year whenever they put up a bunch of points so, on him. they were great on third,
2: but so I would think that what I think what you're getting out there then is they cannot afford to get behind uh as they're on their you know as as they run their offense they can't get before to be behind the change they can't be in third second and longs third and longs and they have a really bad penchant this year of running that jalen play and then all of a sudden it's second and 11 and they're behind the sticks and they can't do that um so they have to be in second and sevens third and twos situations um consistently and when they're not jalen hurts
1: has to like deliver strikes that get us first downs like it just that's how it's gonna have to be like we have to play the perfect game like to be completely honest we have to be perfect like we have next to no margin for error in this game
0: right i will say a player we haven't mentioned who i think is going to be pretty critical um is (laughs) one sidarian lamb um because obviously we've only been talking about the running game because i think you know the question of a passing game is so like the idea of us having a perfect day through the air is like so beyond belief that yeah. it's not really, really worth mentioning. I mean, but yeah. if you know Alabama or Alabama, LSU, I was because the Alabama game is what is getting me thinking about this. LSU basically plays one type of coverage um, mm-hmm. regardless of the situation in the game, um, and it's a, it's a very aggressive like. And what I'm talking about is when they had a two-touchdown lead at the end of the game against Alabama and they line up in, like, press quarters um, and immediately give up a long touchdown. Um, Because, like, CD has to, like, get involved in this game and he needs to turn a couple curls into touchdowns, like, which he can do. Um, so, it's gonna be a. It is basically the one explosive play in this team's bag, um, and it is critical <laughs> in terms of providing space for the run game to operate. Uh-huh. Because just yeah. staying on time isn't how, like just staying on time will upset a team if that team is just playing miserably, right? But if you like, if you want to beat a team that's better than you, you gotta uncork something. You gotta un, you gotta score two touchdowns against the run of play, um, and that's what like CD can do. Um, and yeah, so that's that's my thing is CD's got to turn two short passes into touchdowns.
2: Yeah, I think C, getting they have to, they need to get CD involved early for multiple reasons. I, I mean, I think it takes pressure off. Uh, The run game, especially if they can hit a deep shot or something, um, because it'll back the safeties up and it'll help the run game out. And also, they're almost certainly going to be doubling CD um, constantly. um, Probably have a safety over, like Delpit on top of him or something. Right. So they're going to need those secondary receivers to um, become factors as well. So I think Rambo, uh, Lee Morris, those kind of guys. Right. You know, maybe Charles Rambo needs something. to get
0: involved in plays that aren't uh, designed for him. Yeah. So, if that makes sense.
2: Know, they need. Yeah. It, it feels like a it's kind of like a boxer, you know. Instead of just, you know, you, you need to kind of work the body a little bit, and I think that's what right. the run game will do. But you also need to have those kind of underneath routes. So if CD can kind of get involved and he takes some of that attention and opens it up for those other guys, um, right? Because I mean, I think they're obvious. I mean, the way the obvious way to stop OU is to make Jalen throw it not to CD. (laughs) So um, that's what that's what I would do if I was LSU. Is take CD away and make him beat you somehow somewhere else in single coverage. Um,
1: Yeah, I agree. Do you think? Do you think there's any chance that? lsu kind of approaches cd like alabama did and they think that their guys are good enough to handle him
0: yeah and he's
1: exactly. able to kind of just
0: I actually dominate do that think way that i think um, it's possible it would be an error on their part
2: yeah i actually do think that because i heard neville or no excuse me i heard nick basquin say that today in his little you know little media availability where he's talking about how he is actually eerily reminiscent of the Austin Kendall uh, comments about Ohio State, except nobody got mad this time. Where he's basically saying, you know, they're pretty simple in what they want to do. They're just basically saying, this is what we run. We're better than you, so you got to beat us, kind of stuff. Um, so it's pretty simple, um, the way he was describing it, and I I kind of get the uh, feeling that. They might do that with CD and make him make us earn it before they really start devoting attention. And that's why I was saying it's important for them to establish CD early so they can kind of shift LSU's defense so and free those other guys up. Um, right. So I actually do kind of think that's possible, and yeah. I don't know who they're, I mean, their best corner is the freshman, but the other corner is like a French first rounder also. So it's kind of like, you know, and then Delpit, who by a lot of accounts actually hasn't had, you know, as good of a year as he did last year, but he's the Thorpe Award winner. Um, so it's, you're you're kind of picking your poison there in the in the secondary, but, you know, one-on-win, one, I would probably take CD or just about any of them.
0: Right. Um, yeah, because if, if you can force them to play in a style that's not comfortable to them. That's like step one to forcing them to make the mistakes that they will have to make in order for us to win. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Um, Now, on the other side of the ball, like we're talking about, like Joe Burrow has to have the worst game of a season, right? So how does the OU defense down Ronnie Perkins and Delarian Turner yell make this happen?
2: Uh, I'll take a stab at it. Um, so I've been kind of noodling this, kind of how it how would I think they'd do things. I my expectation is they'll probably slant a ton, try and do a lot of movement on the defensive line mm-hmm. with Stokes and Redmond and Gallimore. Um, and then I think to, in order to um, replicate what they're missing uh, with Perkins and kind of augment that. I think they're going to do like a lot of bare front with uh, Kenneth Murray off the edge. So right. maybe they'll have Murray off the edge and then White and Kelly as the two inside backers in that scenario. Um, I think it's going to be, there's, if, if, if my guess is Grinch is just going to make some like try and confuse the LSU offensive line as much as possible, kind of gives some right. exotic looks. It's going to be basically the opposite of what we were just talking about with LSU, where um, I don't think Grinch is going to be saying we're just better than you, so come beat us. I think he's going to be trying to confuse them and kind of throw a lot of weird stuff at LSU, uh, Murray off the edge, lots of you know defensive line movement, maybe some like corner and safety blitzes, um, you know, just do what he can, and then basically. I think what he wants to do is make LSU become methodical. I don't I think the last thing they want to do is give those deep shots. And they've been pretty good at preventing that all year, but now you're down your best safety. Is Royals capable of, you know, having that communication of, you know, stopping someone like Jamar Chase from just running by him? Uh I don't know if that's if that's the case, but I think in a perfect world that would be how Grinch would attack them.
0: Right. Um, man, the idea of Doing a lot of bare front stuff really frightens me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean,
2: it's not. But, it, I mean, in this scenario, uh, you have to. Uh, it's just a gamble, you know. You right. You can't just and be this, passive. Yeah. And this so. is,
0: like, what losing Ronnie Perkins. Like, this is, like, the ripple effect. is because now we're talking about yeah. using Kenneth Murray. Like, we're moving Kenneth Murray out of, like, his ability spy to be. Spying Burrow. Yeah, right. like, the nastiest spy in college football. Like. Right. And yeah, so, you know, moving him into the wash where he's not been very good. Um, yeah,
2: and so I think, I mean, and this is where those guys that we were just talking about, like, if, the, if somebody starts, if we're just marveling at how well they're playing, we don't see it coming. Like, if Stripling and Thomas can give you, like, valuable snaps and can actually generate pass rush on their own, then you don't have to do that. But I just don't know if they're ready for that. I I don't think Thomas... I think Thomas is, you know, maybe a Kenneth Mann peak level guy, you know, ever. And Stripling, I think he's just too young. I don't think he's uh, quite there yet. So, but maybe maybe they surprise us. Alex, do you have anything to add to that?
0: Yeah, Alex, what do you think?
1: I think I have a mouthful of food, is what I think. So... (laughs) (laughs) Puts you on the spot, yeah. yeah. No, I I tend to agree with everything you guys have talked about. Um, I, I'm interested to see how Grinch approaches. You know, I I'm a little less convinced about the bare front stuff. Uh, yeah,
2: that was more just me grasping at straws. I don't know. Yeah, if that's something he'll do. I just I'm trying to think of ways to create a pass rush uh, in lieu right. of Ronnie Perkins. Yeah, no, I, to
1: me, I just, I think about like Nick Benito and Jalen Redman. Those are the two guys that really stick out to me. And sure. Nick Benito really came on the last couple games of the year, uh-huh. especially the big 12 championship. He was awesome. Um, like that guy, like think about the sugar bowl. One of the big things that we left from that game was thinking that, oh shit, we have the best pass rusher in the country and Eric striker. And, right. right. You know, we came into the next year with pretty much an overinflated, overinflated sense of how good he actually was. And I I, I want to leave this game thinking that Nick Benito is better than he probably actually is. Like, I think that's the right. the right. way that it happens. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we need Benito or a Guay, like somebody to just be like, oh, shit, that dude's going to win every award ever next year. You know what right. I mean? Like, right we've got to come out of this thinking of that about a guy. And, and, you know.
2: So one thing I want to mention is, like, LSU, in spite of them winning the Joe Moore Award, which I don't really agree with, I'm a little surprised they won it. It's just kind of they've won every award they've been up for this offseason. But right. anyway, they they are a good offensive line, but they've given up something like 29 sacks this year. Um, they're not amazing as, as a yards per carry uh, rushing offense. And if they're down Edwards, the thing that Edwards, Edwards, he is a good running back, but he also bails, uh, Joe Burrow out a lot. Like right. he is like, the safety valve for whenever right. Joe is scrambling around. He's a lot. and he's
0: a, he's a great check down and he's a great pass blocker. Right. Like, so he gives them they, like in passing downs. He is so versatile and useful for them.
2: Yes. And I think their backups, Terry and Davis I, I could be wrong, but if their backup is, uh, if, say Edward's E-layer is either hobbled and you know is not nearly as effective or is out for this game, uh, that takes that away. So I think um, there's a, a chance to win there, and I, I think it's possible that they're not super efficient running the ball. Um, so, again, I'm just trying to talk myself into this, because right. uh, it, it's basically, can you force third and longs, and can you just... The pass rush is really the the biggest thing because I think they're wide, They have three really good wide receivers, and I just don't know if we can cover them, especially with uh, safety you know mix or issues. So, um, if they can get to Burrow before before he has time to you know let uh, or watch Justin Jefferson and Terrace Marshall and uh, those guys get open, it, I, I think that's really the only way they can they can hope to win this game. Either that or they bait burrow into multiple picks, but he hasn't done that all year, so um, right. it's kind of hard to see that
0: right yeah wow. burrow
1: six picks all season, like yeah. you can't He's bank just, on that at all
2: it, six yeah. more th- or six times as many as uh as uh just, just fields. Fields. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah that's <laughs> ridiculous um, disgusting. yeah
2: um
1: what what's hilarious though is that like you look at Jalen doesn't Jalen Hurts only
0: have like seven?
2: Yeah. His are all like awful situations. Yeah, right. And he's
0: like, insane. He's not that turnover prone. He just really chooses the worst moments. Yeah, it's the it's terrible timing and then he fumbles. Right.
2: Um, yeah.
1: So Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. Where he and throws he, them on the field, he's taking points away from us. Yeah, or giving ne- points to the other teams. Right. It's right. never
2: like Oh, like, just, yeah, like, this is on the he doesn't arm punt. or
0: something. He yeah. like never or, arm punts.
2: Yep. Because he doesn't throw it like further than 15 right. yards. Yeah. And if he does, he just throws it over everybody's head. So that's, <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, that's uh, great.
1: Um, All right. Let's go. Let's go ahead and do score predictions. I think we've kind of. Ran run this into the ground. We don't think we're going to win the game.
0: <laughs> I, I, right? I think that's no. what
1: our take on the matter is. Yeah. So so, let's hit score predictions.
2: Uh, I'll go first. Um, okay. I am predicting forty-five to twenty-four. Uh, Bastard. I've, yeah, I'm sorry. It's, I I don't I don't have a lot of uh, hope, but of course I would love to be wrong. Um, I think it'll be. You know, maybe a touchdown, maybe 10 points at half. I think they just kind of pull away. Uh, I think, you know, we're thin in spots, especially the secondary, and they'll just get tired eventually. So that's my prediction. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm going to go with 38 24. Um, I don't think they. <laughs> this is. This is silly because I'm just predicting going to score one fewer touchdown than Nathan says. Oh, it just makes um, me
2: look bad, so that's okay. Well,
0: <laughs> well, it's, well, it's I, you know, I just I I think possessions are going to be somewhat limited in this game. I hope so because I think that we will have some success running the ball, and our defense, like, will have some success stopping them. But like, we're gonna like I think there are go- there's going to be some busts, and like Probably the so. result of it is they win by two scores. Like I've I i kind of think this game won't be very fun to watch for yeah just like in general. Like I think it's gonna be messy.
1: Alex. <sighs> I'm gonna go forty-eight to twenty-one. Oh. okay.
2: Uh, <laughs> I'm not the worst on the part. Okay, that's good. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, now I will say I'm pretty sure I texted you that exact score that Nathan got the other day. Um I'm pretty sure I sent that to you at some point, so I'm claiming that you stole that from me
2: oh i don't remember but if i did maybe it was like uh just in the recesses of my mind like yeah, yeah i just filed it away for later or something mm-hmm. i'm it's yeah. possible but
1: oh. yeah i just i don't see it guys like i i don't think that we like joe burrow's just too good you yeah. know what i mean like yeah. if if lsu didn't have such a like this will be the first time that we've gone into a playoff game that we don't have an advantage at quarterback. You know? Yeah. Like, and the other the, times, the, yeah. like, I mean, I guess you could say that Deshaun Watson was better than Baker. I'll give you that one. This will be the second time we've gone in with a, with a disadvantage at quarterback. But this one is a much bigger disadvantage.
0: Yeah. Because um, this is the thing uh, about Joe Burrow, is that, you know, I've said for a while now that watching Baker and Kyler, you know, that, watching what three years of Baker and then a year of Kyler has made me mm-hmm. so spoiled in terms of what I think good quarterback play is. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I am so quick to dismiss quarterbacks as trash, and like, yeah. I think Joe Burrow is good.
1: So He's real good. You're yeah. talking. You're talking about he was the guy doesn't miss throws.
0: Yeah,
2: right. And he was, you know, just he was fine. Like. Just a little bit better than average last year. Like, this has been a right. huge spike for him over right. one season. And he was... Also, I can not confirm you did send me 45-24,
0: Alex. So, I did <laughs> file that away, apparently. <laughs> right. Nice. And, like, and the some, thing is, like last year he was inaccurate. Like, yeah. he was not an accurate passer. And now he's the most accurate passer in NCAA history.
2: Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's, in, it's the most, like, uh, surprising Heisman season I think I've ever seen, honestly. Because mm-hmm. either guy, typically guys are either really good and they, they just, it's almost like a career achievement where they could just basically like come out of nowhere. Like Johnny Menzel comes out Kyler of Murray. Lamar, Kyler Murray comes out of nowhere. Or Baker, really good for three years. And then he just has the pinnacle year and he wins it. So it's usually right. one of those situations. It's not average guy becomes amazing over one off season and wins it. That doesn't happen like ever. No. So right. Um, right, right it's a very very surprising year and honestly for about the first 9 weeks of the season i just kept waiting for them to come back down to earth and they just never did yeah, yeah. so i
0: mean i'm on there's a recording of me on this podcast saying yeah, i don't know if i believe it yeah i, I, I was didn't just believe like, it. They, this is this to me feels like a uh, a team got a competent offensive coordinator and now they're running yeah. like a competent offense but it feels oh, amazing yeah. because of what came before it
2: i didn't believe it until they beat alabama and I mean, it's been said for decade, over a decade. You know, what would LSU look like if they could actually throw the ball? Well, now we know. So, so right. um, yeah. yep. screw them for basically just leapfrogging all of us that have been knocking at the door for five years. But
1: yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if you know what happens when sustainable. they don't have.
2: Yeah, like how sustainable is the Joe Brady
1: thing? Like, I mean, he's obviously yeah. done an amazing job this year, but.
2: Do we really think yeah. Miles Brunin's is going to be, you know, torching people right. next year? Right. That's but,
1: yeah, that's the that's the question. Um Yeah, it sucks. It sucks to to be this way. Um and, you know, obviously uh, the players, you know, we talked earlier about the amount of disrespect that's coming at OUs, like just the players. I'm sure the players are pissed off,
0: you right. know, about yeah. all of it. And they should Especially be. Especially like, the defensive them. players, right?
1: Yeah,
2: yeah but, absolutely. So I, I agree with that to a point. <laughs> like, I think it. I think there's a mental like edge that you can get from it. But I've, I think really when that happens is whenever the other team uh, might overlook you, and maybe mm-hmm. they do overlook you. But this is a playoff game, so like, there's no reason they should overlook because they start right. to win it. So yeah, um, I think if this was just like a random week eight. There would be some uh, something to it, but I, I have a hard time actually seeing LSU just like sleepwalking into the game and hoping they just roll their helmet out there. But I really yeah. hope they do. God, I really hope so.
0: Yeah, right. same. They, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, because it's not like this is like a business as usual thing for them. Like they're no. really excited about this. This is their first one. Like, right?
2: They would. It, it, and I think that's a good point. Like, if the, even if this is Alabama or Clemson. There might be a little bit higher chance of that, but this is LSU's first playoff game so far, so um, it's not mm-hmm. like this is a business as usual, uh, just yeah. run of the mill. Oh, they expect to win, sort of thing. They probably, I'm sure, they do expect to win, but um, it's not like they've been to five of these. So,
0: yeah. Right. Um, this is entirely unrelated, <laughs> but uh, we got we got some more breaking news on the NBA's latest trade. Uh, Utah is acquiring Jordan Clarkson from Cleveland, uh, for Dante Exum and two second round picks.
1: Yeah, they're just trying to clear cap for next year because Clarkson's expiring, right? Yeah. Um, it's a weird trade, it's
0: a weird trade. Uh, but yeah, do we have anything else to say about this game? I feel like I don't I'm think we together. do, man. I J. I, I want to talk about Pledger's going to
2: hit hundred. Let's just say, that. oh hell
0: yeah! <laughs> oh man, going to
2: happen. Yeah, did, I, I do want to mention because we did. I wasn't able to really shoehorn it into the conversation earlier. Uh, one of Lincoln's interesting quotes today is he kind of is he basically compared uh, TJ Pledger to Rodney Anderson, like in 2016 before he uh, broke his neck, like how he was feeling coming into the season where he had. Uh, Joe and Samaj P Ryan ahead of him, but they still felt like they needed to find a way to get him involved because he was practicing yeah. so well. You yeah. know, said that's, that's how they that's felt it. about. Yeah, that's how they felt about TJ before the in, during this fall camp before he uh, got hurt and basically missed half the year. Um, was, they kind of saw him in that similar way. And I ha- I thought that was really interesting. Uh, yeah. that they yeah, saw him in that same ballpark.
0: That's an interesting. I don't know if it is backed up by what we've seen on the field.
2: But, well, I mean, yeah.
0: at the same time, like, again,
2: like, the Rodney- running back
0: room is getting really screwed over by the fact that Jalen is just eating half their carries. Like, um, that, yeah. and
2: we didn't know what Rodney was. I mean, Rodney played, like, half the year in 2017 before he did anything, you know? So, uh, okay. so I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see if TJ gets, like, eight carries... If there's like eight carries for twenty yards, or if he actually like hits, a, if he can actually you know do something, yeah, basically. Right.
1: No, I mean I remember last year at the beginning of the year, like I thought T.J. Pleasure was going to be the Kennedy Brooks. Like I mm-hmm. liked what I saw from him a lot um, early in the year, and I thought, man, if he gets some carries as the season progresses, he's going to produce. And it just so yeah. happened that Brooks turned out to be that guy instead. Yeah. Um, I've,
2: I mean, I, I've been, I've consistently said, I think he's a good running back. I think he's just kind of in a weird spot and yeah. he's kind of in, he's kind of in danger of either being recruited over or just like, it's just not working out like time wise. But right. um, this is like, obviously the biggest opportunity he'll probably have if he actually gets to play some. So, um, I mean, he's the default, he's the only backup running back we have. So, i would assume he spells kennedy at least a bit so yeah, yeah absolutely we'll see what happens yeah and if that's truly the case like he's he's
1: had three weeks of practice to really mm-hmm. show like what he's able to do and like he'll he will produce if that's really where he was before the season i think like mm-hmm.
2: before he they, broke his wrist or whatever before happened he
1: yeah whatever happened there and like i really wish he had a fumble against kansas state that would have been cool
2: yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah That'd but whatever god yeah that's
1: yeah, are we gonna fair catch kickoffs this game? Oh god, just, I hope so. We're we gonna run freaking them right do that. The
2: back. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're gonna, gonna just... get
1: to the fifteen yard line every
2: damn time. <laughs> yep. Ugh. especially because we're down two special teams players now. We're gonna be yeah. even worse.
1: Right. God damn it.
2: <laughs> um, okay,
1: let's let's go ahead and move on to recruiting. Um, right. So OU had, you know, I, again on the last podcast, we were in a dark place on the recruiting. <laughs> Front as well, um, <laughs> we had just you just know, all, like, oh, all just our place, yeah. yeah, ridiculous run of bad luck, and signing day. I obviously it didn't go perfectly because yeah, we did lose Jace McClellan, but other than that, and if you just kind of accept the fact that that was gonna happen regardless, like mm-hmm. it was probably about as good a day as you could have hoped for. Um, yeah, depending on how you kind of look at the Reggie Grimes situation, which. I kind of think the guy signed and just didn't want people to know. Yeah. Uh, I think
2: most people feel pretty good about how that will end up in the long term. Uh, yeah. You just, you know, there was some family stuff and he just kind of wanted to wait until February so he could have, yeah, there. Yeah. I think that's probably right.
1: Um, and then, I mean, I think that just putting things together like, did Chandler Morris visit anywhere after he decommitted from Arkansas?
2: I not don't think my he knowledge.
1: did. No. And like no,
2: no, actually that's not true. I think he took a visit to Virginia Tech mm. and then like okay. quickly did not <laughs> like knew that wasn't going somewhere. Uh I, okay. I vaguely I think I remember that happening or at least being rumored to happen. But Yeah. So I, I think it's fairly obvious that that's not, you know, so right. he's leaning.
1: Yeah, and he's going to commit at the Under Armour All American game. Um, so I I don't know if that's a situation where he signed his letter of intent with a team, and he's going to announce that then. But obviously, we will find out. Mm-hmm. Do you know when that
2: game is? It's next I Thursday. Definitely don't think next it's, Thursday. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Okay, next Thursday so, at like six PM.
1: Yeah, so definitely going to be watching that one to see if OU gets their their quarterback. Um, and you know, I'm a huge Chandler Morris fan. I think he's a, probably about as good a placeholder type guy as you can get. Like just a guy that, yeah, he squeezed in between two five stars, but he might wind up being really good and we might not ever know it. So, um, (laughs) it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But, um, other than that, a really nice day. On the on the recruiting front, Joshua Eaton we talked about on the last pod that looked like he was going to wait till February. He wound up signing. Mm-hmm. I tend to think OU probably told him, dude, you better sign or we're done with you because yeah, there was really no reason for him not to sign with OU unless mm-hmm. he just didn't want to go there. And I think the coaches kind of pulled that on him and was like, dude, we're done with you if you don't sign.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I think he was kind of waiting to see what might manifest with Bama and Georgia and I think they kind of they might have uh, filled some spots and they really were like wait like with Georgia maybe they were just kind of saying oh we kind of want to see what happens with Keeley Ringo but um, I'm not sure we have a spot for you and same thing with Bama and so he's just especially coupled with OU he just kind of saw the writing on the wall and just uh, he knew that he needed he probably couldn't string it out much longer. Right. Yeah.
1: So I think overall, like you guys want to talk, I, I know we talked before that we would all kind of come in with, with one guy that we really like from the class that we want to talk about. So do you guys want to go ahead and start that just real quick. We, we have 22 guys signed or committed right now. Mm-hmm. Um Probably three spots left for February. If I were mm-hmm. guessing, um, You know, which I think, yeah, I think Chandler Morris might fill one of those. Hopefully, Alfred Collins fills one of those and maybe one more. Um, So it's probably looking at a class of 25. Right now, we're at number 12 in the rivals recruiting rankings. And that's really where it sucked to lose Jace to me. Like, it's just the perception of having a top 10 class is a good thing to have. And like you said last pod, you know, we're on a streak of, I think it would have been the fourth class in a row of a top 10 class. So, yeah. yeah, it would really suck to lose that streak. So maybe, like, you know, there's a, such a scenario in, in February that if we pull those guys, we might be able to um, get back into the top 10. So we'll see there.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, I will say one thing before we move on to talking about our things. Uh, how did you guys feel about uh, the, uh, like, media side of uh, signing day? Do you think, oh, you did a good job? Uh, in terms of their um, the social media what, like takeover right, thing right because well because what they really pushed was um, I guess their ability to help these guys build their brand yeah which is an interesting concept for unpaid athletes but here we are um,
2: uh, yeah I did not think they had enough puppets I thought they that's, have had that's more puppets.
0: fair there were puppets and we didn't have any they didn't have yeah. puppets and they didn't have comic book covers yeah yeah, uh, I, I, I
2: say more puppets. Uh, we right, might have stance.
1: We might have been able to sign the number sixty-six recruiting rated recruiting class if we'd had puppets.
0: <laughs> That's so, true. out yeah. um, Baylor. But uh, no, so cool. they uh, all the guys who signed um, had uh, like personalized logos designed for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought
2: those were awesome. I thought those. those were yeah, those was technical. really
0: cool. Yeah,
2: Texas stole it and then claimed they did it first. So right. shout well, out to uh, Brian Tom Herman Carrier. also
0: flipped off a camera and then lied about why. Which yeah,
2: yeah, that's also that also a thing that happened.
0: God, he's such a large brain genius man. What a great program. Hashtag <laughs> Minta. Are.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, what man. a fantastic program they have. And it, it is really frustrating to me that they have, or no, they don't. They I thought they had a higher recruiting class, but they don't. My bad. It's more frustrating to me
2: that they signed B.J. and Robinson for no reason. Like, why are you going there? Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, so, Ryan, I know you have a guy that you want to talk about, so I'm going to let you get this started.
0: Okay. Uh, So I want to talk about Mikey Henderson, um, who is, to me, the the most amusing player uh, from this class. Uh, Rivals has him as a three-star athlete um he's 6'3 225 247 says he's like one, which i love i love stats because it's it's <laughs> it's so hazy how tall this human is um there's no way to know uh but he is uh coming to OU to play the uh H-back, fullback position uh you know recruited by Shane Beamer um and this is a guy who was basically his high school's quarterback um, and so he sort of played the Terrell prior position as high school. Um, And it's just really interesting that we were able to get him to come to OU uh, to be a fullback. Uh, Cause this is a guy who probably could have played quarterback at a smaller school mm-hmm. um, or like wide out. Like, and instead he's, you know, he's going to come in here and be in the fullback room Uh, and, you know, You talk about guys like Dimitri Flowers or um, Carson Meyer, Jeremiah Hall. Um, This guy is, I mean, he just projects to be such a good, like a better athlete than those guys, you know. And so much of like what made Dimitri Flowers special was like he had soft hands and he was a great blocker and he really understood his role in that offense. Um, You know, he's a little, I mean, he's a little taller than... Dimitri, I think. I he well I don't know. It's hard to say how large he'll end up because he's like seventeen years old. Yeah. I think um, he's taller. I think he's taller. Yeah, but he like he's a big dude. Um his highlight film is hilarious and completely meaningless. Because it's mostly just him taking a shotgun snap and running to the end zone. Um but there's I mean, he's, he's there's film of him just mossing dudes. Um he's uh I think he's a really interesting an impressive get i'm going to be really excited to see sets with him and Stogner uh mm-hmm. because i think like if i was a linebacker dealing with that i would just quit <laughs> um, yeah. yeah yeah mikey henderson um a versatile athlete uh really rounding out like this is the thing we've talked about i love like i love the h-back position at ou i've loved all of those guys going back to trey millard and, mm-hmm. like, this is now, like, a solid decade of OU having, like, kind of a stud at fullback, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you, you could even add Ripkowski in there, uh, J.D. Ronald right, exactly. back in the day.
0: Um, right, right.
2: Maybe so, Matt yeah. Clapp. Right just skip over Matt Clapp. <laughs> yeah, we'll skip Matt Clapp.
1: <laughs> so, I, what I'll say about Michael Henderson is that, like, his senior year, he did kind of switch to being more of a tight end slash right. outside mm-hmm. or inside receiver. But right. this dude's athletic enough to play freaking running back. If like we needed, like we had that game a couple years ago with Dimitri flowers where he played running right. back and he did an admirable job, but he at no point really looked like a running back in that game. Like yeah, right. this guy would look like a running back. He's more athletic than Trey sermon. Like this dude's a beast. Mm-hmm. And the, he's the also coming off an ACL terror. Exactly. Just yeah he is it's only going to get better for him if he stays healthy like the idea of him only being a three-star athlete on rivals i think is largely to do with the fact that they don't really understand what he is right and if you take into consideration his role and his potential in his role like this dude could is like borderline five star for me just like as ability to excel in the role i'm not saying you should rate of H back five stars. Like, I don't know, but
0: right. But like, this is like, this is as close to that as you're going to get at that position. Exactly,
1: I think yeah. that he would look, he looks at Dimitri flowers and like his potential. And it's just, he laughs at it. Cause he, it could be so much more like this guy is by far the best athlete we've had at that position. Yeah. And, right. and it comes down to how does he take to the position? How does he understand? How does he develop as a blocker? If he exactly. does all of those things, he's going to be a freaking all-American.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I could see him taking snaps at you know, at the H-back spot. I could see him taking snaps at the Y receiver Y inside receiver spot. I could see mm-hmm. him, you know, getting handoffs. I could, there's lots of uh possibilities with him. He's which is what one of the things that Lincoln likes so much. So, right. I think he's I think yeah. he's going to basically just be a more athletic Braden Willis. Um and so you'll you can see him be kind of used in that way because uh, they have Braden, you know, take snaps at the Y and at as an H back. So Yeah. Um, it'll be really cool. I think I don't think he'll redshirt either. So he's an early enrollee, so it'll be fun to
0: see what right. they do with him. That's another aspect of this class we should talk about is just how many of these guys are gonna be there in the spring.
2: Yeah. So many of them. So many. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. I guess I'll go next. So yeah, Mike's kind of Mine's kind of the uh, obvious choice, but the reason I'm picking him is because of just, I think, the, uh, the sheer importance level uh, for next year's team. And that's uh, Perion Winfrey, the Juco defensive tackle, number one Juco in the country. Um, so he is out of Iowa Western Community College. I think he's actually from Illinois at a high school. But he's basically... Just from a body type standpoint, I think he's pretty much what uh, Alex Grinch is looking for, for that kind of nose one technique spot, um, either the shade or however they want to line him up. But he's very long. Um, he's very, very athletic. And I he, think what he excels at is kind of getting up field, penetrating gaps, um, basically being a disruptor in the middle. Um, I think he's under also Supposed to be an early enrollee, so you know he'll be in in January. He'll be take so hopefully that he's able to get into in January. Um, he'll be, I think, almost from day one. He'll be if not a starter, then in heavy contention for that starting spot with Jordan Kelly. Um, and I think he's a day one um, rotation, um, heavy use kind of guy. The thing with him is that. You know, there's, there is a little bit of concern about um, work ethic and if he'll be, you know, completely dialed in. But I think most people that um, have been around him and have, are kind of familiar with him, uh, if, the, if those questions are answered and, like, he's locked in day one and he t- does all the things he needs to do, like, this is a guy that has high, high, high level potential. Like, day one NFL draft level of potential, He's a guy, like, just from, if you see him uh, just physically, he looks like someone that um, Alabama or Georgia has been rolling out uh, in the last few years, so he, and and frankly, he committed relatively early, and I think a lot a lot of people were kind of skeptical, like, they thought maybe Georgia or Alabama or one of the LSU, one of those types of schools might come calling later on, and that might be a problem, but he was uh, always seemed kind of pretty steadfast in his commitment, so um, I think this is a really important uh, win for Calvin Thibodeau because it addresses an immediate need because they're going to be graduating. Basically, all of their nose guy, all of the nose tackles that they have on the roster right now, uh, Gallimore, Overton. You can we can debate on Pumatatu as as to whether it's it's actually a huge loss, but it's at least a guy that's played um, for three years, so. This is someone that they really need to have an immediate infusion of someone that's able to play. And so I think that uh, having him on, the, on campus for the, for the spring is huge for the team next year. And so I think that's probably why, um, or excuse me, I think that's why I, I, mean, I think honestly he's the most important recruit in the class. Um, or at least one of the top three most important recruits in the class just for that reason alone.
1: Yeah, so in order for OU to be the contender that we want them to be next year, I think that he is he has to start at mm-hmm. at tackle next year. Like he needs to be the guy. Like I don't dislike Jordan Kelly. I think he can be a really nice rotation guy, but I look at everyone else as like, you know, Marquise Overton rotation players. Like Winfrey's sure. the guy that could be the Neville Gallimore of next year. Yeah, and I think he has to be. I think you're one hundred percent correct. We yeah, need exactly. that for sure. Um, and yeah, he's the guy and he needs to be that dude. And if he is, you know what? We might talk about that at the end, but like next year could be really special if mm-hmm. if he's that guy.
0: Yeah. Um, because you're talking about a defensive line that like, if a, if we're able to replace Neville Gallimore, like yeah. you look at, I mean, you know, you're looking at potentially not having Ronnie Perkins for half the season, which sucks, but you've got so many other guys who are going to be back. They're going sure. to be better. They're going to have another year in this system. Like yeah. this Redman, front, man. Yeah, this front could be amazing. Yeah, Redmond. Yeah.
2: I mean, Redmond, Stokes, Stripling, Thomas, uh, Corey Roberson coming off his red shirt. You know, there's a bunch of guys potentially offered Collins. Like, there's a bunch of guys. So, if they have that nose that can get upfield and you know give centers hell, which I think Wimfrey has the potential to do. Um, yeah, you know, it's just it's huge for the team next year. All right. Yeah. Um
1: yeah. so can I be a goddamn cheater and You
0: absolutely can hit me. I
1: really I, I literally cannot pick between two guys. <laughs> okay. So I'm just gonna go ahead and do both of them because I love them both. Um,
2: both.
1: Okay. The 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 first guy I've got is Marvin Mins because yeah. if you just look at OU's receiver depth chart next year. The tragedy that is the 2018 wide receiver class so is bad. really, uh, it really is evident in that we just don't have that many players that are that exist on the roster. Like it's a very thin position. You know, losing Jalen Robinson and JaQuelin Crawford really hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're gonna need freshmen to be contributors next year, and Marvin Mims is the guy that's gonna do that. Like mm-hmm. this guy. I liked him as a junior. I thought, oh, he looks good. Yeah, there's, you know, I get, I get why we're offering him, and it's cool. (laughs) As a senior, that dude broke the freaking national record in yards. Like he had over twenty six hundred yards receiving. That's insane.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. You watch that guy. He is fast. Like yeah, he is so fast. Like Mm -hmm. he has the potential because, like Charleston Rambo is fast, but this team didn't have the burner it has had the past three years.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think with him too, is that he can play everywhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like that dude is, I I think he's going to start his career as an inside guy. And, you know, I think he could move around, but I think Mm. you start him at that H position and let him beat out Drake Stoops within the first week of practice. Um, (laughs) And just let him take off, man, because like, You know, another suspension, Trajan Bridges. That's where Bridges played this year. And we might not have him for five games next year. So, right, exactly. Marvin Mims is going to need to be a dude. And I think he's going to be a dude. Like that dude, Mm -hmm. he reminds me a lot of, I mean, the guy that is the common uh, comparison is Sterling Shepard. And I get it. But one I like even a little bit more is Ryan Broyles, but he's faster Mm -hmm. than Broyles. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah, like I, I legitimately think he could be that kind of guy. He, he won't put up those kind of numbers because we just have too many other weapons that we'll take away from him doing yeah. that. But he could be a freaking star next year on this team.
2: Also an early enrollee.
1: Also an early enrollee. Um, all right, and the other guy that I just couldn't not talk about is Kendall Dennis. Um, I love this kid. Like, he... Only a three star on rivals, and he was kind of a later evaluation. And he was a guy that once it looked evident that we weren't going to get Dante Manning, who, you know, it's really unfortunate we talked about on the last pod, Um, this was the guy that we really viewed as his replacement in the class. Um, Now, with that said, you know, we could have gotten them both. Like that wasn't out of the question, but Mm -hmm. this dude is awesome. Like he's a little bit smaller than I think what Grinch would ideally want in his corners, but the dude's real fast and he's a freaking football player, man. Like he does everything you go, you watch his highlights and like the first five highlights are him just out jumping receivers for jump balls. Yeah.
0: Right. You know, like it's absurd
1: how athletic this kid is. And
0: like you look at him and you know, he's, um, his, um, his OU signing page tells him six foot flat, 174. Um, and so he doesn't quite have the length that I imagine we're going for. But you, like you look at him, and he's pretty solidly built for a corner. Like,
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, yeah. yeah just I'm, look at his arms. Look at his upper body.
0: Yeah.
2: I yeah. I'm glad you mentioned his uh, jumping because I think that's something that, yes, he may not have the prototypical length that uh, Grinch is looking for, but. This is a guy that at an opening regional event uh has a verified like thirty eight inch vertical and also like i'm almost certain that he has like a verified four four forty so like a, as a laser timed so this is a guy that tests very highly uh, athletically um oh, and man. he so that means he can he you know he can uh bring some things that maybe he doesn't have the super long arms uh that grinch covets but he has the athleticism and the speed and the ball skills to uh to uh make up for that
0: yeah i agree i there's a lot of guys in this class to like Mm -hmm. um i just want to briefly bring up jalen conyers as well um (laughs) yeah just just another like uh, the number one tight end Mm um i'm just imagining sets of like uh, like Henderson, Stogner, Conyers, and Hazelwood. Like, what are you yeah. even gonna do? Like, yep, yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> just uh, lay down
0: at that point. Yeah,
2: Link, <laughs> Lincoln. This is like the most, and this is something that we could get even further into uh, in February, whenever the full class signs, and we get into like super detail about this. But this might be like the most toolsy uh, offensive signing class that Lincoln will sign. Because he has Conyers, he has a guy like Brian Darby, who plays mm-hmm. like six positions. Um, we're, they're currently targeting a running back wide receiver guy that, uh, named Corey Wren to kind of fill that spot that Jace McClellan left, too. He's a different style of runner, but he's basically uh, like he's shaped kind of like a, a small wide receiver, but he plays running back. He actually plays in the Veer at this high school, which is funny, mm-hmm. because you just don't see that hardly <laughs> right. ever. But he's, like, a ten three hundred meter guy. Uh, He's, you know, the Louisiana state record holder or something like that for, like, the 60 meters. So, it's
0: just, there's so much, like, weird little... You look at the Veer and you see, you know, we got six plays. Yeah. You know, it's like Novocaine. Give it time. Exactly. always works, you know.
2: Exactly. Um, Um, (laughs) Rip Herman Boone. Um, So... Yeah, th- I think this is this the. Uh, I think toolsy is a f- just a good way to describe what these signees are because they they got the prototypical wide receivers in last class, but this class they basically found a bunch of guys that they can just move all over the field, yeah, and yeah. just and do fun stuff with, and Which with a
0: like,
2: Yeah, that, that's like that's the I most love. Lincoln class possible.
0: So. Yeah, yeah. Um. So here's a here's a dumb thing to talk about uh real quick what how, how long have we gone probably a while an hour and a half love it um oh we've only recorded about an hour though um That's good. <laughs> um so coming into the season i was talking about uh jayden hazelwood um as a guy who like you could maybe even see on the field as like a third down back um with, oh, you kind of striking out at running back uh in this recruiting class. Is that something you think you guys maybe see as more possible?
1: I don't. Well, really think so, honestly, yeah. because we're thinner at receiver than we are at running back. We're not That's true. Thin right thin at running back at this point. You know, we're depending on fun. what happens. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, depending on what happens with the older guys. If we have some guys go pro or transfer or whatever. We could get thin, but at this point, we really
2: are pretty deep at that position. Yeah. Still, we're still gonna have and like six of them. Yeah, it's yeah. wild
0: that. Yeah, like because presumably Trey Sermon's not going to go pro, right? No, I,
2: I think there, that was probably the really plan preseason. But yeah, yeah, his his uh knee injury kind of threw a wrench into things. Um, right. It's possible Pledger could transfer, uh, but. Even and if that occurred, I wouldn't be surprised if they took another running back. Um, if mm-hmm. they tried to find somebody late, Kevontray uh, like, Bradford, um, please. Yeah, Kevontray Bradford down I'm in Lancaster, um, who yep. seems like a very uh, likely choice if that were to happen. We mentioned that they're targeting Corey Wren. I don't think he would be considered like a true running back target. I think he'd basically be like, you know, kind of a gadget guy um, that they use yeah. a return game and. Uh, basically just try and get it in his hands in space. Um, but I, I think Hazelwood will be a guy that they like to do, like those end-around plays and stuff. But I don't know if they'd ever just line him up in like a, a true, you know, yeah. in the backfield, sort of yeah. uh, hand it off to him. Yeah, I
0: just, I'm just interested in his, like him as a gadgety guy.
2: Which yeah. is, um, so
0: honestly, with him. I mean, he's Jaden freaking Hazelwood. He's he, he's going to be a great outside receiver, like
1: yeah, and, and well, and you've we're we're gonna have to replace C.D. Lamb next year, you know, right. and he's probably the guy that's most equipped to do that. Um, you know, and obviously Theo Weiss really good too, but like he's yeah. probably the most similar to to C.D. Lamb that I see on the roster, right? Um, so I, I I like him there personally. Um, yeah, so I guess my last thing I want to talk about, and you know, so we don't go too long. But, you know, this is definitely not long for this podcast. Um, I
2: do want That's to talk it. about
1: – do I? I
2: was just going to say that February podcast might get two hours, so oh, just yeah, prepare gonna for that. Right. It's going to be a marathon. <laughs> um, I want to talk
1: about next year in terms of – I want to leave on a high note. I mean, we, not that we haven't been on a high note, but we were pretty down about the, the chances of winning the Peach Bowl. Yeah. So I want to kind of leave it with this. Like – we've had 2020 earmarked as a year for a while that we could actually be the, the true contender, you know, probably yep. for the first time since 2017. Like, you know, I think we all agree that we could have easily won the national championship that year.
2: Yeah,
1: um, it, it, yeah. it definitely hurts. But next year we might actually have like that year was kind of built on where well, we had the Heisman winner and it was kind of a weak year in college football overall. Yep. Um, there wasn't a dominant team. Like I think next year, OU could legitimately be one of those teams that you're looking at like the Ohio States from this year, the LSU from this year, uh uh-huh. where they just kind of leap into that like truly elite type team. Like
2: yeah.
1: obviously it it really sits on Spencer Rattler has to be the dude. I mean, if I mean I'm telling like goddamn Tanner Mordecai, if that guy is and it will probably happen. They'll probably be this intense quarterback battle all the way up until the week before the game next year. And, but
2: I, I think mean, Spence, they're going to do, they're going to, yeah, do that's that. what they're going to say. is going is <laughs> happening. I mean, it's, I know. it's going to happen. So just, <laughs> I mean, I'm, they're gonna just, Lincoln's going to say that as much. So Mordecai won't transfer as anything yeah. else. No, I get
1: it. And I'm going to be mad about it the entire time. <laughs> I'm going to complain about it. Um, but, If Spencer Rattler is the real deal that we think he is going to be, obviously this has been a very pro Spencer Rattler podcast for a long Mm -hmm. time, since like his junior year in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, So if he's the real deal, that's obviously huge. Creed Humphrey, I think the guy's going to come back. I honestly do. I think he's going to come back and play one more Mm -hmm. year at Oklahoma. That offensive line has potential to be ridiculously good. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to shore up the left tackle position, whether that be Eric once getting healthy or Stacy Wilkins over, you know, kind of beating him out that mm-hmm. would do it. Um, and then obviously, you know, the, we got to replace Kenneth Murray and Neville Gallimore. And like, if we can do those three things, then we are, we're, we're the team. We're one of the teams to beat next year.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I, I mean, I've, I've, I've spent an inordinate amount of time thinking about this. Um I basically have like a three things I want to see happen by February plan for me to just completely be on the hype train uh for next year's team. Basically what I want to see is I want to see them close with Chandler Morris, Alfred Collins, and Corey Rim. We've talked about all that. Um Morris basically for uh security plan in case Mordecai decides to transfer. Um mm-hmm. And then Alfred Collins, just because he's a dude, uh, he, would be, he would play. I'm certain of that next year. And then Rand would just be fun. Uh, and then Creed Humphrey, I think, is the probably the most important of the three things I'm going to list. Creed Humphrey return. And then number three, I want to see them take a grad transfer wide receiver uh, to kind of add an older guy, a, a kind of a steadying influence into that room. I know they're currently looking at Theo Howard from UCLA. He's a guy that's kind of been rumored out there. Um, so if they were to take someone like Theo Howard from UCLA, I think that would be a really important factor, especially because Trajan Bridges won't be playing uh, at least the first four games, probably the first five games, uh, assuming that he just not beat uh, LSU. So if those things all happen, and then the, the like Alex kind of just mentioned, the three most important players at that point to me become Spencer Rattler becoming what we think Spencer Rattler is, who we think he is. Um, Perion Winfrey, who I spotlighted as the signee, I think he has to be a, uh, an instant impact, you know immediate uh, force, someone that can be basically what Neville's been this year in disrupt and command double teams uh, and allowed that the guys around him to make a lot of plays and then also make some as well. And then I think Caleb Kelly needs to be uh, the um, focal point of the inside linebacker room. I don't think it'll be Deshaun White, but I think Deshaun White can be s- steady at Mike Backer, and I think just the uh, playmaking will transition to the Will next year. But I think those are the three most important spots. Those so you're three... saying Sorry, you, you're ahead. saying that you need
1: Caleb or Caleb Kelly to be kind of. Get on that Kenneth Murray level
2: like Yes, what I need, to, I need yeah. to see him take that next step and be the uh, the playmaker in the inside linebacker room. It doesn't have to be at the mic, but if somebody you know out of those two spots next year in the middle of the defense I think he will i think he'll be all, if he returns next year um, like if he didn't play in a national championship game, I think he would almost certainly be a captain, and I think he'd be kind of the heart and soul of the defense so um, I'd need to see that happen as well. But I think those three would be – it makes sense because it would be right down the middle of the team, uh, especially in Creed as well. Um, I think those would be the most important spots. So, But anyway, yeah. that's, that's what I – I mean, again. And the other thing I think that has to be mentioned is just the landscape of college football next year. Um, right. Joe Burrow has gone. Tua is most likely gone. Um, Clemson replacing four out of five offensive line starters. Georgia, Jake Fromm, even if he's not gone, it's Jake Fromm, so I'm not really that concerned. Uh, Ohio State's you know, changing a lot. Uh, I think they're going you know, to be down basically their whole D-line, most of their secondary. Uh, they'll not have Dobbins. I think there's just a lot of turnover at the top next year of college football. So I think it is a very, uh, possible year for OU to just, to really be one of those teams that has a true, honest to God chance. So the suspensions hurt, but I don't think, I think there are things they can overcome. I don't think it's just a death knell. So again, I I think there's a lot of optimism. If some of those things we, that, uh, Alex mentioned that I mentioned earlier, uh, happened by February and, uh, you can, might be able to see it to kind of start building over the, you know, over the off season. Yeah, man. Like it
1: next year's the year we've, we've got to put it together. I think we will. Um, and, it's,
2: yeah. and it's been the year that's been circled for like three years. So oh, it yeah. really suck absolutely. for it to just fizzle. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It would. Um, so I think that's a good place to end it. Obviously, you know, as far as the state of the program, we're all pretty positive about it. Um, oh, yeah. We're not mm-hmm. particularly positive about our ability to win the game on the this. This was the gap year. It has to. This be a was remember. the gap year. This was the year that we were not supposed to make the playoff, right? Um, or win the Big Twelve, and we did both of those things. So you know, everybody else in the conference can kind of
0: right. Yeah, this was yep. the year. Like we five straight Big Twelve titles, and I don't really understand what is standing in the way of it becoming like seven or eight yeah yeah absolutely um Um, and that's i'm
1: fairly confident that it's not texas
0: no (laughs) Um, oh man
1: can we real quick is is next year going to be tom herman's last year at texas
0: Uh, um they have to get it turned around or i don't see what does
2: turned around mean for them i think they need to go 10 and 2
0: they need to make the they need to be in the conference championship game yep Yep, yep. Um the hires the the guys he replaced need to look like they're doing a better job.
2: So the thing about like how often does firing both your coordinators like multiple years into your stint like work out? Does that happen very much? No. No. I can't really no, think fine. of it. Yeah, I mean I don't think it's gonna I don't
0: happen. I don't uh I don't understand why you would but, look at like, that as a red flag at all.
2: Yeah, like Chris Ash and Mike Yersich like you're pinning your whole, all your hopes and dreams on those two. Mike Yurcich right. doesn't even call plays at Ohio State, right? Uh, and he was yeah. not overly. I mean, from an outsider's perspective, he seemed to do well at o- Oklahoma State. But if you actually yeah, but folks fans, fans, fans hated him. Yeah, if you actually talked to Oklahoma State fans, they did not like Mike Yerzich. Um right. And then Chris Ash is like the most boring hire. I, I mean, yeah, it's just basically he's like, oh, there's a guy I knew at Ohio State. Like, right.
0: it's so, just pulling guys who coached at Ohio State but didn't call plays. That's yeah, like so all Tom basically Furman knows exactly how to do what it is. So,
2: and then I think your, his, what he, the offense he ran at, Ohio, at Oklahoma State, I don't know what is and isn't Gundy. I, I yeah, think it's right. kind of hard to separate it, but I also, if it was him, it's just a very bizarre fit for what Ellinger does. So, yeah. I don't know. I, well, if, I mean, it could be that, like, you know, like at, if
1: it wasn't him at Oklahoma State, Tom Herman wants to have influence on what Texas is doing offensively
2: mm-hmm. and he
1: knows that your sit will be okay with that. That's you know true. What I mean? Like so which I am totally for. I And you're to, yeah, absolutely you're, if Tom Herman wants to run his
0: offense by all means. Yeah. If you were and designing you're, an offense for Sam Ellinger, what would what would you make that look like?
2: Well I mean it the what they are just doing at with Justin Fields is not a bad thing to do. And I mean Body type, it's relatively close. He's not as talented as Justin Fields, but I mean, that's not an awful attempt. They also don't have a J.K. Dobbins, though right. Bijan Robinson is really good. So, but they don't have the what they really don't have is that offensive line. And they're also going to be replacing three starters off of their offensive line, including um, like a three year starter at center and a left tackle that's, you know, fairly good. So, and also, their left guard was a all, first-team All-Conference at Georgia Tech this past year, Parker Braun. And he, I don't even even think he got like honorable mention this year. Like he had a very you know poor year. So yeah, it's a don't uh, I, I don't know I don't see it happening, but you know, yeah from a from a talent standpoint, it's kind of funny for like a blue chip ratio. They're both OU and Texas are kind of like right around the same number. And it's yes. just radically different on field results year over yep. year.
1: Yep. It's pretty impressive. Um, cool. You guys ready to kind of close it out, Ryan?
0: Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening to the Oklahoma Drill. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, the Google Play Store, or on Podbean. Um, follow us on Twitter at PURD underscore That's P-U-R-D underscore H-A-P-E-L-Y. Uh, or at rw maxi uh and if you enjoyed the podcast you know leave a review somewhere uh share it with a friend let folks know uh that ou's gonna get trucked and it's because these jerks said so um that'll make you popular at christmas parties uh but in all honesty thanks for listening uh we'll see you guys next week uh when we can talk about oh you getting trucked